the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gestand. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. And we are back. The time six eleven on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are in our second hour. Three lines open, one triple eight, three six seven five three two nine. You want to call and chime in, um, uh expand upon or enlarge or go a different way than uh Kenya's very um insightful and thought through question. I do want to make one more observation along the lines of her concern about losing her joy. Um, after the honeymoon phase. So here is what I want to say about the believer in Christ and honeymoons. The honeymoon phase should ultimately give way to a virtuous marriage to the Lord Jesus Christ. The honeymoon phase should ultimately give way to a virtuous marriage to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we humans have so trod underfoot in disgrace marriage that we talk about it pejoratively in the world. It's looked upon very cynically, and it is shredded in the secular world. In the Christian world, it is kind of a tacit um, uh, point of mockery as well, in that husbands and wives do not live up to the biblical standard of husbands and wives. And therefore, um, all of the things that marriage promises are very limited in their reality in their um, substance and in their experience in the life of not only regular secular married people, but even Christians. So the idea is that when you come off the honeymoon phase, now you go into the kind of drudgery of having to live together is an utter abominable notion and view of marriage. Let me say it again then in this spiritual dimension for Kenya, for me and everyone who loves the Lord Jesus. The honeymoon phase should give way to a virtuous marriage to the one who loved himself and gave himself to us. So much so that I should submit myself to him, him as my head, me as his body, him as my husband, me as his wife, and enter into that celestial relationship of which the value, the value of that relationship will ensure no matter the sorrows, no matter the toils, no matter the pain, no, no matter what, a peace like a river attending my way so that I can always say it is well, it is well with my soul and mean it because I am near to the master and the master near to me. And that joy will be a joy in the Lord that does not go away because the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Three lines open, one 367 In other words, one 367 Christians are often blaspheming the marriage that they have to Christ by our attitude, by our conduct, by our efforts, by our energy, all that. All that. And it should discourage young, brand new baby believers when they look at us and go, whoa, is that what you look like? Is that what it looks like when you come off the honeymoon? Careless about scripture, careless about prayer, careless about how we talk, careless about how we engage with babies in the faith, careless about the glory of God, careless about the name of God. See? Her question was so probing, wasn't it? Let me go to line two and talk with Ken in San Jose. Ken, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. Uh, question, yeah, comment, I'm observation, sir. I'm on a different topic. So, um, okay. Uh, the, what, what bothers me is um, the current weather conditions in California and uh, putting two and two together. A topic you brought up, I heard you do this one time. It's, a, it's an actual government program for weather control called the HARP. And I was wondering if there's any connection between the two things because what the harp is supposed to be able to do is to build a high-pressure area. And sure. this, these, this series of uh, incredible uh, you know, uh, heat events from Northern California to the desert southwest has been triggered by uh, you know, a, a very long high-pressure buildup in the desert southwest. So do you think there could be a connection there? I mean, it's, it's certainly uh, logically possible. It's not only logically about. possible. It's not only logically possible because HARP is no secret to anyone who uh, studies it, um, uh, what its capabilities are. We're not sure what HARP does in total because, you know, <laughs> the government that puts his hands on the Bible <laughs> and then raises his hand and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, um, spends uh, the massive portion of its time lying to us. And we know that historically. So, um right. And in some cases, the only way the world can work today, as you would know, Ken, is that the governments have to lie to each other because you can't you can't function in a world governed by Satan by telling the truth. You just can't do it. He's the father of lies. And so our world is dominated by it. And we are constantly uh, inundated with lies and distortions and and um, uh, misinformation, disinformation, et cetera, et cetera. Been going on way before Russia. The notion that somehow Russia is a paradigm of utter deception is is ludicrous. However, the harp system could very well be um, a component in what many of the uh, world ecologists are starting to say, Ken, um, around uh, the um, the loss of they warned about a loss of cyclical normalcy in our weather patterns over um, a period of time when the combination of natural uh, effects and catastrophes occurs along with mankind's imbalanced um, destruction of the world, whether it be through natural resources like gas uh, and oil and other things to to shift the balances of nature, because you know we live in an echo, uh, uh, an economy of 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 ecology and when the the balances are off we have no guarantee that we will not cycle into patterns of uh chaos and uh and destruction on natural levels that might be what we are starting to see now in California because we're calling it normal uh and this is not normal it it, it is not normal but this is how we are as sinners uh we go whoa 
And then we go, whoa. And then we go, okay. And then what else is on? And here we are. We're talking hundreds of thousands of acres from the northern uh, extreme of California all the way down to southern California, as you and I know. And we are not really asking the question, what is the implication of this for the long run? Will these taper off? Will they uh, diminish or will they increase? Uh, even to the point, I said it in my opening monologue, you may have heard it, um, that at some point they're going to be right here in the uh, center of California with us here in the Bay Area. And we will have to deal with those cyclical patterns as people do all around the world. But that was a long um, commentary just for thought to say that it is completely plausible that the harp system experimentation is playing a role in massive, massive ecological imbalances on many levels, including the fires here in California, Ken. Listen, I got to take a break. Thank you for the call. I'm glad we're talking about it. One day, maybe we will have more concrete information surrounding it. I've got two lines open. In fact, three. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. By the way. Please, if you think I am um, being, uh, how would I put it, sensational, then quit watching all of those goofy, vacuous programs and start doing the research and start asking yourself the question about the impact upon our environment um, around the world and see what you discover and recognize how toxic our world is and how corrupt it is because of the pseudo riches of Satan, which you tempted our Lord with in Matthew four of which you're tempted with. And I'm tempted with, which is corrupting our world for which God says in revelation chapter 11, verse 10, he's going to judge those that corrupt the earth, which he said also back in Genesis six, the whole earth is corrupted through the evil imaginations of men. God will defend the earth right along with his elect, which means he calls for you and I to be responsible in terms of our use of things and materials. It's called stewardship over his creation, which he originally designed for fallen men. Y'all know where I'm going. I'm just trying to grow you up <clears throat> right along with myself. We're going to take a break. Two lines open, one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are at the time 623 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got three lines open if you want to call in. one 367 5329 one Very good uh, comments by Ken, by the way. And let's go to Sally and Marin on line one. Sally, are you there? I am here. Your comments, questions, or observations, young lady. As long as, excuse me, I just ate and I'm having a little trouble. That's okay. Uh, uh, as far as Kim's comment, I didn't hear it all, but I heard part of it. Mm-hmm. And and I think God is warning us of what is to come after the Holy Spirit is takes Christ's bride out. We have got to take this seriously, and it, it's it's our speech. It's it's. It's what we look at, and as far as the young lady, God bless her. Yeah. Uh, she'll never, never regret the choices that she's just made. 
I agree. Uh, but she needs the water of the word. You mentioned, too. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the water of the word. Mm-hmm. And you've got to put yourself in a position where you have good peers and and good uh, mentors yep. in the Bible. And the more that you can can learn how to make your way through the Bible and to uh, to pick out scripture that really helps you where you hurt or where you where you're blessed or where you're joyful or whether you're sorrow, wherever it helps you the most, um, and and also not to get too involved in in um, in doing church because if you if you do, I I think that the the um, home. The, the small groups and whatnot is wonderful, but I look back on my life and I think uh, when I was in choir, we we prayed together. I think we could have encouraged each other more in biblical things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and and I was in a adult Bible study for a while. Uh, I've done. Um, uh, uh, oh dear, I'm I'm thinking too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Bible study fellowship. Uh, but uh, to be in a Sunday school class where you have peers that are learning together, uh, just uh, even if you're in a nursery group, if you pray together and encourage each other in Scripture, to 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 really um, use the Bible in every area that you're doing, and not just to be out there by yourself. I agree. <clears throat> so I'll rein it in and kind of uh, put some frameworks, some brackets on basically what you said. What I love about your um, response to Kenya is um, I know Kenya personally. She's a new believer and she's doing great in terms of um, the fundamental signs of what is going on in one's life when you are really a true believer. Um, Sally, is that you actually do have a hunger for God's word. Uh, there's no such thing as truly being born again and not And the danger the Bible uh, yields for us is that we should continue hungering and thirsting for righteousness, Matthew 5, 6. And um, when you stated that she should have good mentors and good teachers and and then also the importance of her maintaining an ongoing relationship with the Lord through his word so that she finds the broad um, dexterity of biblical truth to be yeah. able to apply to her own life. That yeah. is, <clears throat> that's the devotional duty that she has. The other benefit, and I'm going to reframe it because I, as a pastor, I recognize how we swing in the pendulum um, between the two extremes of over church and under church. So here's what I would say. It really is dependent upon the makeup of a local church as to how they employ the Bible in the life of that church. If that church is doing a bunch of programs like lots of churches do, but those programs are not richly committed to biblical truth as part of the character and nature of those programs those programs will have little transformative effect. Amen. They will have very little transformative effect. And at the end of the day, what people end up doing is being burnt out because they're running to and fro, getting involved in programs that are not directly associated with profound devotion to God through his word so that we are actually exercising biblical spiritual communion. Now, the Holy Ghost is going to lead us into God's word. He's going to show us Christ 
and where that's happening in the community, no matter what that particular fellowship design is. Like you said, the young ladies with babies, the single ladies, the single men, the young couples, uh, music ministry, uh, outreach ministry, and we do all that. Uh, One of the things that as a leader I do is I really try to help those communities understand that they need to be committed and motivated as a group in the context of the centrality of Jesus Christ as our ultimate goal and the word of God as an extremely practical component to their dialogue, to their conversation, to their motivation and their drive. That is hard work, Sally, because people really do not have a natural tendency to keep it biblical. We really quickly collapse to a kind of horizontal social club, even in the church. Um, and, And where you do that, the devil can come in and wreak all kinds of havoc. But your admonishment to our sister from an older lady as yourself uh, to a younger lady is Titus 2-like, and I love it, for the older women are to encourage and instruct the younger ones that they might grow up in the faith with some fidelity. So thank you for that. Keep on keeping on, dear. Thank you. Thank you. You too. We call it Kim, K-I-M. Now, who of you guys know what I mean by Kim, K-I-M? Right now, we're working through a number of rich principles in our church And uh, we're dealing with a larger overarching principle called forgiveness of sins. And uh, that forgiveness of sins is a massive framework by which God can continue fellowshipping with you and me as jacked up as we are. And where the believer really knows how to employ the gifts of forgiveness to grow closer to God, he will know what I mean by K-I-M. So which one of you guys understand the blessing of KIM when the enormous benefit of forgiveness of sins is there to sustain and preserve and enhance your walk with Christ? KIM, KIM. I'm going to take a break. Four lines open. one 367 5329 Let's tell the world what KIM is and how God means for us to walk in Kim until we see him face to face. Three, Four lines open. All the lines are open. one 367 5329 Let's teach. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The time six thirty four. We have three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Wide open. Really enjoyed Sally. I'm glad she spoke in for the younger daughters in the faith. They all need older older women who have been there, done that. Kind of bought the t shirt and can encourage you to streamline it. <laughs> okay. So um, I just raised the question. For those of you who are under the auspices of my broad impacting study, and that just happens to be the case, no boast enjoying the fact that I have a ministry that allows me to teach people all over the United States and across the world via the Internet, but certainly on this program, which I've been a part of for many uh, years now, thankful, just thankful every day, uh, God opened that door. And our ministry, Way of Grace, teaches a lot. Um, and, and one of the things I do uh, in the church I pastor is we develop themes 
<clears throat> and then we develop concepts around statements that can build a memorable uh, um, um, idea, worldview um, for the immediate time of maybe a mission or objective that we are seeking to engage in. For instance, for us at Grace, we are seeking to uh, walk in and practicate First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, which says that we are to honor all men, to love the brethren, uh, to to fear God and to honor the king. And so that mandate, that fourfold mandate given by Peter is what he learned is the best way for the church to be a missional witness uh, in the world. And when you follow the rest of those verses from chapter two, verses 18 to 25, you discover that Christ laid out the model. When he came, he honored all men. He definitely loved his God. He also feared the king. He reverenced law and authority. He didn't get into a tangent of pejoratively and hostily and and vilely opposing the king and opposing the rulers and opposing, uh, you know, the government. He didn't do that. Um, He laid down a few scathing remarks when the Pharisees just simply acted a fool when he himself was the um, marquee. Uh, master teacher, which he had the right to do that. But beyond that, he demonstrated a level of subjection and dependence upon his father that uh, calls him called him to manifest honoring all men because he came that they might be saved, not that the world should be destroyed, but that the world through him might be saved. And therefore, what we're called to do rather than stand across a proverbial star, no matter whose it is, Christ's or Trump's, and start slugging with people, well, that's not honoring people. And so we want to learn how to be honorable people. We want to love God. We want to fear the king, uh, uh, fear God and, and love the, uh, fear the king, uh, fear God and honor the king, rather. So we want to be able to have a healthy respect for our government and things of that nature. To do that, you and I got to know the the tremendous blessing of being forgiven and how forgiveness works on a daily basis and and how how forgiveness effectually lifts the burden so that we are relieved and then open the cage so that we are released to walk in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And a lot of believers are not walking in liberty either in their mind, their heart or their life. And why is that the case? If you're a believer, you already have the gift of the forgiveness of sins. Why isn't it impacting your life? So that in your mind, which is really the helm of your dictates, and in your heart, the seat of your emotions, and in your life, the outcome of your volition, if you're not experiencing ongoing liberty, freedom, uh, relief, and release so that you can K-I-M it, because that's what God wants his people to do. He wants them to kim it. He doesn't want them to be stuck all the time in the past, stuck 10 years ago, stuck 20 years ago, stuck 30 years ago, even stuck yesterday. He calls us sons and daughters of liberty, of freedom, and it's designed for us to kim it. Until one day we see him face to face. Now, do you know what that word K-I-M means? Well, let's go to line one and talk with Tanshia and see. Tanshia, are you there? Yes, sir. All right. We're going to find out. First of all, we're just going to go ahead on and say it. We're just going to say it right now. Okay. We go, hold, so, on, hold on, hold on. Um, we, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. Hold on, don't worry. Okay. 
You driving? No, sir. Okay, good. You didn't pulled over. No, no, I made it home. Okay, good. All right, good. We because see a lot of people be driving and talking to me, and and they're believers. <laughs> And and well, I don't well, say I don't know, say. If it had been an hour ago, then I would be driving and talking to you. All right, then but I, I got hands okay, free. Okay. So oh, oh do like you? Okay. Okay. There you go. In the car next to me. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. But a lot of I people don't. Okay. A, a lot of people don't, and they still call. <laughs> and I can tell they're talking on their phone and driving, because I can hear the <laughs> horns blowing. People can't double. They can't multitask. They don't know how to stay between two white lanes. And talk at the same time with one hand on the phone and one hand on the steering wheel. I know that because we're having lots of accidents because people are doing that. So I don't want to contribute that to that. So now, um, have you been listening to me um, expound, teach, propound, really develop and press home uh, to the family at Grace the whole concept of forgiveness of sins? Yes, sir. Right. And, and are you getting it? I believe I am. Okay, right. So one of the major benefits of God forgiving us of our sins in terms of our relationship with him is in order that we might kim it. Do you know what the acrostic K-I-M really means? Yes, sir. You do? Yes, sir. Now, before you say it, Tell me how it resonates with you relative to its practical benefit and objective. What does that, how does that idea resonate with you, Tanshia, um, emotionally in your relationship with God? Um, it actually restores it because it removes the guilt that is keeping me from coming to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and knowing that, um, that he does forgive sins when we truly repent, yeah. then I don't allow, then I'm able to let go of what I've done right. to offend him yeah. and continue to be able to come to him, which is the one of the deepest communions that I have with him is through prayer. Yeah. And, when I'm not feeling guilty, then I'm able to come to him and actually um, lay it all out before him. Yeah. And then once I'm able to be honest with him mm-hmm. and also be honest with myself, because it's, um, it's a two way street. Right. It, it's hard to hold that mirror up yep. and see and yep. see that. Yep. But um, once I know that um, I'm released from that, from what I did, then it makes me confident in being able to come to him in prayer and, and with um, understanding that I'm, I'm okay, that our relationship is okay. And then I'm, I'm free to, to come back to him because I know that sin is what separates me from him. Yeah. And so when I, when I'm able to come and repent to him and come in all honesty and not trying to um, justify it, yeah. um, then 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 I know that that relationship is restored right. and I can feel it. Right. I can feel it. Amen. You can feel it. And therefore, the acrostic that you're about to um, share with the listening um, audience um, 
is designed to facilitate that continued communion that we so dearly enjoy with our God, right? Yes. Right. And that's largely what you're talking about. And so um, the idea of forgiveness of sins to preserve and maintain and enhance the fellowship that we have with God is is really really defined by three words, K-I-M. And what is that? Keep keep it moving. Keep it moving. Now, when we when we capture that concept of keeping it moving, where God is there for us when we mess up and we love him enough to tell him we messed up. And God says, uh, there is forgiveness with me that our relationship might be stored, uh, be, be, um, be uh, preserved. Therefore, having done that, which you have been required to do, if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to have already forgiven us of our sins and to have cleansed us from all unrighteousness by faith. Then through his blood, we continue in fellowship with God and therefore we can what? Keep it moving. Keep it moving. And yes. And, and, um, and, and being able to keep it moving, it allows us our relationship to grow even deeper with yep. God as yep. opposed to if we didn't keep it moving yep. and we stay stuck in that guilt, then um, we wouldn't be able to grow deeper in our relationship with God. So that's, that's what I'm capturing from the importance of keeping it moving because ultimately we want to continue to grow in our, we don't want to just stay in one place. We want to be able to continue to grow in our knowledge and in our relationship in a deeper relationship with him because it, um, the deeper our relationship grows with him, um, we're less likely to continue some of those same sinful habits that we have. Absolutely. Completely. That is the triumph of faith. That's first John chapter five, verse four. Um, who he, he that is believing on God hath overcome the world. He that is believing yes, on God hath overcome the world. And so faith is that which helps us overcome the world as we employ faith the way God says to employ it when we mess up. We have to employ faith when we mess up. We have to employ faith while we are in the process of restoration. And then we have to employ faith to walk away from that process, believing that the relationship is sustained and we can go on to growth. Yes, sir. And that's the joy of walking by faith. The just shall live by what? Faith. And that's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's why the believer is by nature progressive. The believer by nature is progressive because we have been called to be forward-looking people, and therefore we commit every day. Thanks for the call. Yes, sir. Blessings. Thank you. I got to take a break. Three lines open. In fact, four, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I want to hear from you. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. The time six forty nine. We've got ten minutes. I can take a couple more calls if you want to call in. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We've got a couple of lines open. Before I go to the phone lines, however, let me quote one more uh, commentary from the Puritan Thomas Watson concerning the importance of the preached word. Thomas Watson says concerning the word preached, do we prize it in our judgments? the way we think. 
Do we receive it into our hearts? And do we fear the loss of the word preached more than the loss of peace and trade? Is it the removal? Is it the removal of the ark that troubles us? Again, do we attend to the word with reverential devotion? When the judge is giving the charge on the bench, all attend. When the word is preached, the great God is giving us his charge. Do we listen to it as a matter of life and death? This is a good sign that we love the word. Thomas Watson, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's go to line two and talk with Renee and Novato. Renee, are you there? Good evening, Pastor. Jeffy. Long time, my friend. Long time. I need to know before um you you broach our topic, how is your wife doing? Oh, uh, praise God. She is in remission. Amen. And um due to get a uh uh, at the end of August, she's going to get her um, uh, bone marrow transplant. Okay. Is she at home, or is she still? She's been uh, in and out okay. of the hospital. Okay. And so she is uh, going to be coming home in a few days. And then she goes back again for some clinic clinic uh, follow-up, and <clears throat> then goes back into into the hospital. Okay. So we're praying for you. Uh, we're praying for you and your wife and your family and, and mom and all of them and Thank our prayer you. team. But I'm, I'm, I wanted to put that out there because I actually have a larger prayer body um, over the radio here too. And, uh, you know, we definitely want to take advantage of that. Renee is a dear friend of mine, been a member of Grace for a long, long time. And his wife is having battles like we all do. And as you guys heard, mm-hmm. it's they're, they're, um, she's in remission, which is an absolutely joyful thing to our hearts. But we want to pray that that remission continues and sustains and that um, Grace is revealed to her as well as the whole family Amen. through this. Yes. So what are your thoughts for calling, my brother? Well, in the issue of forgiveness and guilt. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, it's, I've, been, I've been struggling with that a little bit, and just the, the reality uh, of, of whether it's an objective or subjective guilt. You know, it's, yeah. it's an issue that, we, that I've dealt with, uh, you know, being, having, having the forgiveness that God provides is of course objective it's his yes yes and so um when i have when i have um not con- not uh, confessed my sins to him and so i it, it, i feel like david right uh king david with the right. uh right. With the uh since you know the real uh, guilt that that just just, just buries you yep um but then I, I I understand and I realize I said no God God has forgiven me. Yep. Um, but I pray to not sin presumptuously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not to be so um, callous, so callous and, conven- and and convenient in my sin that yes, uh, yes. I allow that to just to to uh, co- um, take over me. Right. And so, uh, but then I realize it's God that has done this. Right. And um, even though, you know, I was headed to hell, yep. uh, I, I recall yep. that day yep. that he literally uh, took me yep. and stopped me from that, um, which is, of course, nothing that I had done, nothing right. that I right. could do. It's all of grace. Yeah. And so, um, 
yeah, I've been, you know, struggling with that a little bit, but uh, it was good to hear um, the input of the various people. Yeah, can I can I can I make can I make an observation though? Because uh, one of the uh, just as a blessing to you and many others too around forgiveness, unfortunately, sometimes in our churches we oversimplify things, and I've heard it so many times. I've got a bunch of quotes that I'm going to probably quote next time on my other Monday show. Things that Christians shouldn't say, like things like "let go" and "let God." That doesn't help anybody. The notion yeah, to right. let go and let God doesn't help anybody because it does not define. What is to be let go? Why it's to be let go? Or how it's to be let go? And neither mm-hmm. does it define who God is and how to let him and why to let him. So those kind of general statements are good for T-shirts, but they mean fundamentally nothing when we get to where you and I are, Renee, right here. The subjective dynamic of the whole concept of forgiveness of sins. And if you haven't heard my series at length, I'm on about eight messages now on it, and you can get it from the office. It would really help you uh, in this area because you are being right now, you are being acutely aware of the fact that we can objectively claim forgiveness of sins. um, And it can be either by faith or it can be by mere uh, intellectual arrogance. And that is to say, there are a lot of people who say, I'm a believer. And no, you're not. You're not a believer. You just are not. You don't have the dynamics of grace affirming what it means to be a believer. A believer is going to both uh, love the fact that they are forgiven and woe the fact that we are sinful in nature at the same time. True believers know that we are both righteous and sinful at the same time. You already know this. Therefore, we have, oh, this, yeah. we have the struggle of being righteous in Christ and sinful in ourselves. And how do we walk in a state of sinfulness in the triumph and joy of forgiveness except that we believe that the mechanism of faith allows us to maintain fellowship with God with the promise of his spirit, which works in our hearts on a subjective level through faith to lift the burden, to lift the burden. If God left the burden on you and left the burden of our sin on us, we would be most miserable. We would be paralyzed. We would be depressed. We wouldn't be able to get up on any given day. We wouldn't be able to move. We would be completely halted. It's the mercy of him relieving us of the burden of our sin and then releasing us from the bondage of it for us to keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. Now, sometimes... depending on where the believer is in his walk with God, that process does not execute itself fully, Renee, only because we might either be weak in our faith where we have not communed with God in his word as we ought to because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, or we have not been clear on the mechanism of forgiveness relative to believing God for what he said and no matter how I feel, I'm moving forward in faith to um, to walk with God. And I will wait, like David said in Psalm 150, Psalm 51 around verse 9, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So sometimes yeah. we have to wait for the restoration. Yes. We have to believe true. the promise and wait for the restoration. Yes. And that's yes. what I'm going to be praying for for you, my dear brother. 
Thank you very much, and I appreciate it. And it's good to hear your voice. You too. Um, Do me a favor. Your, uh, Tell mom I said hello, and I think about you guys frequently. Good, good, good. Thank you. Um, how long are your series on the um, Wednesday Psalm studies going to go to? We got three more weeks. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, blessings, my brother. Blessings. Blessings. Thank you. Yeah, God Brad, I won't be able to get to you today, brother Brad. I can hear the music. I can hear the bells of the horses. I can hear the hear the ringing in 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 just just that that nice little jingle as we are heading out because we're down to about thirty seconds. Um, uh, maybe I can get to you next week, Brad. Thank you for um, for calling and thank y'all for listening. Thank you for listening. Enjoyed the program today. Hope you guys learned something. Love teaching. Love teaching. God is glorious. He's glorious. And his son is magnificent. And his spirit is sweet. Keep your eyes on Christ. We'll see you next time. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.